Cougs house. Yes, it's true. The Houston Cougars did lose on Sunday to the Temple Owls. Lots of stuff to break down and take away from this one. So let's get to it. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, the podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Andrews, here to break down all things Cougs. If you have a chance to hear can stop by, please be sure to subscribe down below. We need to lay on the Cougs in your newsfeed each and every day. We appreciate you making us your, uh, your first listen of the day each and every day. Uh, Locked On Cougs is now brought to you by FanDuel. That's exciting. I want to talk to you more about throughout the week. Um, but we appreciate our fans at FanDuel continuing to get this thing rolling uh welcome back to the youtube channel it's good to see you again uh we are approaching 500 subscribers and we get to 500 give away some sparkle swag um and stuff like that so make sure uh you a hit subscribe so we, we get to 500 subscribers and then b start leaving comments down below to let us know uh that you want to be entered in the contest and tell us what you think about game or what have you have no thoughts about the game or whatever today or don't want to type them out anyway because you don't like putting four little words in print Tell us if you've, A, I guess, ever had a Philly cheesesteak, and B, if you like actual cheese or cheese whiz. I'm not sure I get with the cheese whiz. Now, we want to make sure we say it. hats off to all things uh, Temple Owls on that one. They they played a really great game uh, defensively for the entire game, but then all, offensively for certainly about three-fourths of it. And so, uh, while we want to talk to them about Houston, they will make sure that we give them their fair share. I mean, Damian Dunn went, had 16 points. He was 3 of 8 from 3 and 7 of 8 from the free throw line. And Zach Hicks went 4 of 8 from 3. Uh, and frankly, that sharp shooting throughout uh, is, is big time. I mean, you can get two guys combined for 7 of 16 from 3-point line. That's going to help out in a lot of games. I mentioned on Twitter, if you follow my game threads throughout the game, I thought Houston was kind of standing too far away. Like, they were technically covered threes a lot of the time, but it felt like there wasn't enough ball pressure where you're up on top of the guy necessarily. Um, that's not the story of the game. That's not the only thing that happened. Houston missed 10 free throws, two of which were front ends of one and ones in a one-point loss. They lost 56-55. Uh, Temple, on the other hand, is 17th in the country in free throws, and <laughs> let's just say missed a lot less. Uh, <laughs> they went 20-22 from the stripe over the course of the game. Um, I thought Marcus Sasser's thoughts were particularly poignant afterwards. He said that Temple does a great job of playing team defense. Thought that they did a j- good job of doubling the post and doubling specific spots on the floor. They really forced Houston to make some questionable decisions. Um, worth pointing out that all that defense led to Sasser just getting 11 shots up. Um, however, they did, you know, and forcing him to be more of a creator, he did have five of the nine assists from the Houston Cougars. So in the second segment, we're we'll talking some more about, you know, about the game, I guess, as we keep going. But, um, Nine total team assists is an indication of something not great happening on the offensive side of the ball for sure. Um, you know, I guess I could talk about how poorly things went as a whole, but honestly, Sasser getting just 11 shots is not great, but Sasser getting 12 points on 11 shots is, you know, I, I think about average for him. He's had some good, better games than that in the last month or six weeks. I think we're kind of hoping for more of that. I mean, honestly, um, Jairus Walker had just three twelve shooting day. Had just a three twelve shooting day. Not a great day for him either. Shooting basketball, miss him. You know, I don't want to say point blank, but he's got a great floater. He missed a couple floaters down the stretch. I was like, man, what is what's going on with that? Did have twelve rebounds. Notably in this game, we saw very little Terrence Arsenault. 
a little bit more manual uh, sharp and then not a whole lot of Javier Francis. And I think that, you know, in watching some of it for a second time, watching particular stretches for a second time, I think the real key there was their, their defense wasn't as on par. They were kind of getting lost in translation a little bit defensively and Houston has to maintain their defense. And frankly, they did. Well, we're going to you know, sound kind of down and those kind of things about the game because it was a bad loss for the Cougs. Um, they held, uh, held Temple to 56 points. They've been averaging 69.3 points. And I know I teach history, not math, but that is about 80% of their overall uh, team average. And that's just another team. I mean, if they're now 19 games, uh, sorry, 20 games that Houston Cougars have played, they've held uh, the team to the opponent to 20% or worse, less than their, uh, their season average in like 16 times, if I'm counting these right. Um, that's a tremendous defensive effort again. Adding to that, I should point out that Temple did not attempt or did not make a field goal in the final seven minutes and five seconds. Uh, worth pointing out that that coincides with when Juwan Roberts came back in the game with his four fouls. He fouled out just about a minute to go. Um, they'd only had one point in the final six minutes and 37 seconds, being a free throw down the stretch when Houston is trying to scramble to get the ball back. Um, that, that's a lot of things to say that the defense was not necessarily the issue for Houston today. Um, the issue is shot making and free throw making and layup making. Um, by my count on this, if I'm pulling up my statistics correctly here, it does look like uh, they not only did they miss ten free throws. That's at the top of my notes. They missed 17 shots from within inside of inside of 15 feet, mostly in the paint, uh, and they were nine of 14 on layups. Nine of 14 on layups at all, and so. Well, obviously, there's a contested layups, and some of that involves, you know, there's a lot of l- length at Temple. We talked about that in the preview, how they start a bunch of 6'7s, um, not just their bigs, right? Whereas Houston's bigs are 6'9. They, uh, Temple starts a bunch of 6'7s. There's a lot of issues at the rim in particular, and I think it obviously gets kind of all comes down to, like, the big shot at the end that Tremont Mark misses. They had a great, great look. Uh, they were in a box set on a baseline inbounds with just over a second. There was, like, 1.3 to go. Um, and they ran Sasser to one three-point line on the ball side, Jairus Walker to the other three points, uh, like slot area on the ball side, and then Tremont Mark runs underneath the Jawan Roberts screen like he's going to go set a screen for Sasser and then books it right around him for a lob. Uh, again, great look. Tremont Mark is pulling away. It'll make it sound like it's an easy shot. It was, you know, a three-foot, you know, alley-oop type layup. Just hit the iron, and then frankly, uh, sorry, it wasn't Roberts, it was Chaney, because Chaney actually has a chance to tip it but by the time it's overextending his arm out to get it done, really get a good hand on it. Um, great, great look down the stretch there. Hard to ask for much more than that. Mike could ask for more than that on the possession leading up to that point. Um, but on the whole, um, to shoot the ball that poorly, I mean, I guess Houston did shoot, shoot the ball well from three, relatively speaking, maybe not by their standards. But they shot 35.3% from three and just 33.9% on the game. Again, with 9 of 14 from layups and missing 17 shots inside of 15 feet. That's just not a recipe to beat anybody in college basketball. I mean, you got to remember, every coach says it, but I know I've heard Sam say it. They practice too, right? Um, and, and hats off to Temple. And, you know, no pun intended on hats there. That really is like a, a big, big win for them. It's a quad one win for Temple and a quad three loss for the Cougs. And so in the second segment, we're going to talk some about X's nose and how that happened. And then in the third segment, I get into like what this could mean for the Cougars. But before we go too far, I need to make sure to tell you about LinkedIn.com. Now, LinkedIn.com is your 
a uh, great place for if you're a small business or hiring manager, uh, you know that success in 2023 will depend on who you surround yourself with and who can make those shots in the clutch. That's why you have to surround yourself with people you find at LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates to more effectively match your open roles with people who have the skills and values and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs, you quickly attract the qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools that go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates, identifying the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen uh, and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn Jobs and one delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. All right. So I'm looking at this as a whole um i want to talk a little bit about temple did on offense because they had some success early and then i want to talk some about what houston did not do on offense um i think some of the uh quotes from kelvin sampson are particularly enlightening and then in the third segment we'll talk more at a national level as far as how this fits into houston and the number one ranking which will probably fall obviously and all of those kinds of things and if i sound down i think um on a previous episode, you go back and check the catalog where Andy and I talked, Andy, host of Locked On College Basketball, talked. Um, Houston kind of gets stuck in a weird spot because, like, the American Athletic Conference is not the respected conference that, like, the Big Ten or whatever is. Obviously, the, the Big 12 we're going next year is the best conference in college basketball, but this isn't the American get the same kind of respect. And a, a loss like Temple today, I'm just I'm, I'm worried about what it does in the long-term scheme of things um, as far as getting a, a, a top seed or a good seed that helps Houston. Because as we know, when we get to Final Four in Houston, things should be rocking. It's about getting there, though. And in one-game samples, there's some stuff exposed today. So one thing Simple did to expose the Cougs is uh, they took advantage of the overaggression Houston plays on defense. Houston has always, under Kelvin Sampson, been known for an aggressive trapping in the half-court, man-to-man physical defense uh, admittedly there were a lot of fouls called in this game um but i i don't know that the 19 fouls on houston i mean there were 16 fouls called on temple and like that's really more or less even factor in the fact that like houston a had the kelvin sampson tech that counts as one and then b also like was trying to get the ball at the end and those kinds of things um what Temple did, though, was Houston's going to trap off ball screens. So, like, when you run a 1-4 a pick and roll on the side or whatever, Houston's going to try and trap you. And what they did was they either went underneath it or over top of it. They did a great job hitting the roller. Now, in previous iterations of the Houston Cougar basketball games, when they've had trouble with things, they've had trouble finding the roller, right? We mentioned in, like, Tulsa, J.S. Walker had trouble tagging the roller. We mentioned in, like, UCF, uh, excuse me, we mentioned, like, at UCF, or I guess when UCF came to Houston, that the big thing was finding uh, Taylor Hendricks on the pops, right? Like, they had trouble finding that guy. Houston actually did a really good job of finding the roller. That shows progression, shows growth. Um, what then happened was in the roller was able to take advantage of Houston in, like, a four-on-three situation because Houston had doubled the previous ball handler, and that meant that there were four more Temple Owls, and three guys in rotation. That led to a bunch of open threes. Um, now, on the game, the three-point shooting did even out. Um, Houston contested threes. And down the la- I mentioned in, in the last seven minutes that Temple did not make a field goal. So that did level itself out. However, um, it doesn't mean they didn't happen early. And frankly, 
they were shots that just got Houston out of rotation because they hit the they tag the roller. The roller then becomes a creator and then t- tries to find short rolls and stuff. There are people on Twitter, I think, asking like, why is Houston, you know, so intent on doubling this or whatever? And I think a um, you got to dance the horse that brung it. All right, like like that's that's quite not quite the saying. You got to dance the girl that brung you, or you got to ride the horse that brung you. And I think I just combined those. <laughs> but anyway, um, the, the truth there is that like. That's Houston's always done. That's why Houston's number one team in the country. And so changing your entire philosophy and scheme because Temple's hitting some threes is not doesn't really show that you believe it's the right thing to do. And I think obviously Samson believes it's the right thing to do, generally speaking. The other thing I think is interesting there too is that like clearly the adjustments they made to sharpen things up a little bit worked because the Temple shooting leveled out. Temple only ended up shooting 33.3% from three on the game, even though they opened up fairly hot in the first like 30 minutes right the first half and the first half of the second half um and so you know i think on the whole i would argue that if you hold a team to 33.3 percent from three it worked remember you held temple to 56 points they've been averaging 69.3 points like we can talk about their last second loss to memphis or when they lost you know smu they're scoring a lot of points this season especially in the american athletic conference play and so like defensively while it was painful to see some of those open threes go in I would say the scheme worked. It took the whole game to work, but I I would say the scheme worked. The other thing I would say too is that, um, you know, they I think at some point started finding out like that like, oh, we can't rotate off of this guy because he's hot today, right? Like Damian Dunn's a great shooter, but like he shot the skin off the ball for most of the game today. Or Zach Hicks is a great shooter, but like they're putting him in a different spot off of that short roll. So like he's in a, he's in a corner where he's usually at the top of the key or whatever. Like, so you're not like you just talked in film, about where to help off of. And now it's not quite in the same spot. Right. Those kinds of things I think are interesting to see play out, especially when you've done some like homework on a team, like you would in conference play. It's a lot harder to do that kind of work, homework on a team when you get to like the tournament. Right. Um, that's a lot more in game adjustments. And frankly, I think like you'll see the kind of in game adjustments that again, Houston played good defense in this game. Those kinds of in-game adjustments are why people like the Cougs in March, right? Because they can make those defensive adjustments so long as they don't have some guy go off for 40 or whatever. Like that, that, that's the way that the cookie crumbles sometimes. Um, offensively, my frustration with the Cougars I mentioned earlier was ball movement. Now, I think that there's some people that are like going a little too hard on the uh, like on the critical direction when talking about Houston's offense. Um, and so I want to point out that like, you know, at the end of the day, when you miss, if they'd made their season average free throws, they win this game. And depending on like how, which one, if, if the makes come on the one and ones and stuff, like they might've won this game by a 10 points or so, right? If they shoot their season average on shots inside of 15 feet, they might've won this game, right? They might've won this game by double digits as well, right? Like all those kinds of things do factor in and they did have a bad shooting day. And if Shimon Mark makes that shot at the end of the game, we're probably talking about like, oh man, they survived, right? Like it, it, all those things come down to, to make or miss league. I know it's the, the saying about the NBA, but college basketball and field very same way. Um, certainly feels be trickling down like that over the course of the last 20 ish years. That said nine assists as a team, when you're, um, when you make 19 shots, a, I think the indication that would be like half of your shots are off assists and you didn't make that many shots. So you should be trying to find ways to spark more assists. Um, and the other thing I'll say is that Houston knew that they were more athletic and faster. 
and were beating guys off the dribble. They were getting to the lane and and doing like getting inside of 15 feet off the balance and getting aggressive shots in that sense, but they weren't falling. And what I have trouble watching on TV and understanding is it feels like every time they call timeouts, they come out of timeouts and have some sort of a set, with the exception of one key moment we'll talk about in a second. They have some sort of a set, right? So I know Samson, Samson and company are calling something, right? I, I don't think this is a Samson just wants ISO ball. There's people on Twitter, oh, he was in the pros too long. He wants to, I, that. That's clearly not the case. That's not been Samson the whole time, right? But what I will say is, is that the aggression he preaches in those moments where it's not right out of a timeout does seem to be leading to shed attacking, mark attacking, just attacking off the balance because they can. The guy in front of them cannot guard them, right? And so I think that's probably kind of more like the culture and mentality of the team is going to lead to that unless you're explicit in a timeout calling something different. Um, you know, it's why Jamal Shedd had 16 shot attempts and the next highest was Jairus Walker. I mean, he had three guys with 10 or more shot attempts. Jamal Shedd had 16, Walker had 12, and Mark Sasser at 11. Even if it's those three, I'd probably rather Sasser have the 16. I guess Walker would still have the 12 second and then let Shedd have 11, right? Like, that's still how it would work it out. And I think what's interesting, too, is that, like, the sets they should run, in my opinion, are the sets they're running. They're still doing the right things. They're doing, like, a, a triple weave thing with a you know high and a low post. Um, and sometimes they run an elevator to get Sash the ball at the top of the key off of it. And that's like the best set they've run in a couple of weeks as far as like stuff that's been working for them in, in conference play. And without going too nitty gritty and spoiling all the tea from what it looks like they're doing on, on television. What I think is interesting there is, is it's also, it's utilizing the speed in the same way, but it's also not like it, it driving to kick, driving to kick and the elevator happens and you hopefully get like some of the high, uh, high, low action. I thought one of the elevators they did was beautiful. They had, um, I forget if it was Walker or Roberts on the backside block, and they ran Sasser off of an elevator through uh, through Jarris Walker, and Walker then rolled to the short corner and had a little isolation play out of it, like just simple things like that, like not an assisted bucket because he takes two dribbles in the short corner to get his you know his one I think it was a put, uh, pushback kind of layup, um, but that kind of an action is still action, um, even if it's getting guys into uh, more isolation moments because the typical thing you see there is to get the ball to sash at the top of the key and get out of his way. Um, all that said, I thought Samson had a couple quotes at the end or after the game that were interesting. Um, he said that Houston quote, never make the could or never could make the big play needed a big shot that dozens and dozens of times have done that over the years. Um, and then quote, even with all that call timeout, draw a little action. We ran Got him on wide open for basically a layup. Didn't go in. And that's, I think, interesting, like, in listening to Samson after the game, he had several moments where he had something along the lines of, like, this is college basketball. Teams do lose. Like, Houston doesn't lose often, but teams do lose, right? Um, and so when he's talking about, like, that moment they needed, I thought of three things right off the top of my head. Um, the first one was about three-minute mark. Houston's kind of rolling. And let me make sure I have the score right here, but... At the three-minute mark, Houston's kind of rolling, and Sasser comes down and has kind of been feeling it. Um, he's got a few baskets under his belt at this point, um, and there's a TV timeout on the loose ball after a Jawan Roberts miss uh, after a Jawan Roberts uh, rebound. TV timeout comes. Houston's got the ball coming down. Sasser pulls up for three. At it's 52-55, three minutes left. Right, misses. 
Now, we've all seen Sasser hit that. Roof comes off. Houston goes on a run for three minutes and wins by 12. Like that, That's happened for four years now with Sasser, right? Like That has happened. It just didn't happen on Sunday, right? The other one that jumps out to me is uh, Jamal Shedd missed a three-pointer uh, at about the, it looks, 45-second mark, 43-second uh, mark. Houston had just called a timeout at 48 seconds. And a second ago, I told you there was one time Houston called a timeout or there was a timeout and Houston came out and did not run a set. This is that time Jamal Shedd had it. Uh, they, he looked like I couldn't tell if they were trying to run a set or not. It just happened so fast. But five seconds after the timeout, his defender is sacked inside the three point line and he pulled it. Now, he, to be fair, opened the game shooting very, very well. He finished three of eight from three. He started like three or four from three. I forget exactly. I think it was three or four from three, right? I get why he feels like I can put this in. However, I don't think that was a set that they'd called. I, you know, Samson didn't look particularly happy with it. Make that what you want. And having just called a timeout, I don't think they'd have called a timeout with under a minute to go down by a single point to have Jamal Shedd walk into a three. I, I, Samson's a better coach than that. We've seen him do better than things than that. And so I don't think that that's quite what he did either. Um, and then my third shot that could have had they gotten a shot there that could have been the moment, right? My third shot that could have been the moment that Samson's talking about. Um, so Jawan Roberts had an and one after a great steal with about, um, what is it? Uh, a minute and a half left. Tied the and one made his free throw tied at 55. About 10, 15 seconds later, Jawan Roberts fouls out. I don't know what the shot would have been. But we have also seen where Juwan Roberts or any big that's come through Houston because they've had a number of great ones gets that big and one play with under two minutes to go and then comes down and gets a dunk, comes down and gets a put back and is flexing in front of the stands in the student section because they just won the basketball game. Like we've seen those things happen too. It didn't happen on Sunday because he fouled out. Now we could go ticky tack and talk about like, oh, he shouldn't have had this foul or that foul early. And I do think he had his, uh, his third one was kind of dumb. And I didn't, I still haven't seen his fourth one. <laughs> but anyway, all that is to say that the moment Samson accurately pointed out that they typically have did not happen. And it's a shame that it didn't happen because it led to a fairly big loss. Uh, we're going to talk more about that loss in a second. So let's talk about this as a quad three loss. Now, for people wondering what that means, there's like tiers of how good or bad a win or loss could be in the net ranking scale and they kind of like add up your quad one wins and your quad two wins, your quad three losses, your quad four losses and the kind of thing. And they kind of start to sketch out throughout the season, like some rough look at bracketology kind of stuff and where you will be Houston to date. obviously had just one loss and a handful, like five or six quad one wins. Um, and frankly, that was big time. That was a big, big deal. Cause your only loss being quad one loss and it being a relatively close game against Alabama was not so bad, right? That's not so bad. Again, there were one loss teams, one of the number one team in the country in every metric. Um, a quad three loss at home, unless Temple does something really special throughout the rest of the year, probably sting a little bit in the rankings. Now, as far as the national picture goes, um, Kansas last week lost twice. They were the number two team in the country. They will also fall. UCLA lost to Arizona on Saturday. They were also in the top five. They'll they'll fall as well. Um, Purdue will likely be the number one team in the country. Um, and someone in the Big Ten will probably knock them off. So I don't know if that means we have to root for Michigan for a week or something like that. But someone will knock them off. I, I have my thoughts about Big Ten and basketball right now. Anyway, 
that's probably for a separate podcast. And maybe I need to talk about Andy getting on locked on college basketball. Cause I, I don't know how big, it, how good I think the big 10 is at basketball period right now. Um, but Purdue will be number one team in the country. Alabama will probably be number two. I think it's going to sting a little bit because Houston, we all, we, you and I both know all of Houston knows that they probably should have won that game when they played Alabama. Um, they were up 15 in the second half, had a big, big run. And then the offense kind of stalled out. Not horribly unlike how the offense stalled out against Temple. Um, so maybe we need to address that. But I will say that I think Alabama will number two team in the country. The question to me, as far as where Houston falls, anywhere between three and nine, is really about how do people in the AP poll value Kansas State, a two-loss team that was like 14 last week, but has now beat kansas in overtime and texas tech by like 10 in the same week like how how much does uh, the country value kansas state as a two-loss team um in the three-loss teams you got ut austin and ut i guess knoxville yeah tennessee um you know they're both three-loss teams both in the top 10 power whatever conferences if that's a thing to you and they play each other soon do you kind of like hype the matchup up vote them up and then the winner obviously jumps up a little bit if you're going to go to three lost teams, Gonzaga's three lost team that has had a fairly impressive month of January so far. Um, I, I don't know. That, that's the national picture as far as where things fit and how far you drop Houston. I do think losing to Temple is probably a knock as opposed to getting another random uh, second loss. Like losing to Central Florida on Wednesday as your second loss might have hit a little bit differently. Um because not everyone in the country, I think, values you know twelve and nine Temple the same as someone who pays attention to the American Conference would. Um, that's fine though, you know. As we've said throughout the season, and as Samson has reiterated several times, the goal is not to rent the number one seed throughout the season. The goal is to have when the whole thing's said and done. And you got to do that by winning games in March. And I, I I care about it because I care about being a number one seed. I think that makes things a lot. A lot, a lot easier. So when I look at like what kinds of things have to happen, it's not so much. I mean, Houston needs to win games, right? Houston probably will take, but needs to try not to take another loss in conference. I, I, you know, they have Central Florida on Wednesday, and we'll talk more about a preview of that Wednesday when the game happens. But UCF's a little banged up, and it's not, you know, not quite the same team. It's on the road though, so like, you know, what does that do? Cincinnati next weekend. Um, that's a tough team in conference. And frankly, the combination of that this week, Central Florida and Cincinnati, almost makes you think if, you know, was Temple kind of a trap game? Um, who knows? Um, I, For what it's worth, Houston did drop number one in Kimpom. You heard that right. They dropped to number one in Kimpom. They, they're still atop the whole world in Kimpom. Um, Houston could win out. And I don't know if it matters necessarily because with the loss to Temple, people are going to start looking at what the other teams do as well. What does Kansas do now they lost a couple games. What does UCLA do? Does they come back and beat Arizona? Does Arizona run the table in the, in the uh, Pac-12? Um, Alabama, like, do they need to run through the SEC? Or do they run into, like, a Tennessee? What does Tennessee do? Kentucky looks down, but, like, are they down forever? Gonzaga, again, the, if they if they come into, you know, mid-March with just three losses, like, you got to weigh that somewhere, right? In the Big 12, where we're going to be next year, you got TCU, Kansas State, like, those teams are, are winning games and frankly, fairly like TCU is an impressive team. And so what does that mean for Houston in seeding and those kinds of things? Um, 
at the end of the day, all Houston can control is their own wins and losses, right? Houston can't control what Kansas State does. Houston can't control what UCLA does. Houston can't control, outside of the Bama game that they played, what Alabama does, right? They got to go to UCF on Wednesday and win that one. They got to go, uh, they got to come home and play Cincinnati on Saturday, and they got to continue to stack up American Athletic Conference wins and continue to do what they we know they can do, which is play great defense, keep teams 20% below what their season averages are and hopefully find some ways to make some more impactful plays. Now, all that is to say that I'm not getting super, super worried about the Houston Cougars. I know I'm sounding a little bit down because bluntly, I they should have won this basketball game and so I'm a little upset about that. But on the whole, the season is far from over. Um, it's not like, oh no, this guy is falling. We, I told you when was the last time you and I talked about wins and losses in the seeding last week, that truthfully, Houston will probably lose two conference games. And so this might just be the first of two. Um, American Athletic Conference is strong, people think. Houston's got a giant bullseye on their back. You're getting everybody's best game every week. Getting to play Houston is the only reason Temple is on ESPN. I mean, that's a big, big deal to those kids, right? Um, on ESPN, the primary channel, I should say. I was American Athletic has their deal with ESPN Plus or whatever, but like we had to play on real ESPN. And if you're Temple, it's like your only game like that this season. Um, and that's all really, really valid and important. I do think Houston pushes through the conference with, you know, a little bit of wake up call today. I'm sure film, film Sunday night because I'm sure Samson has, hey, you know, quote unquote optional. Who knows what kind of meeting? Or maybe it's just you know senior led. Um, I'm sure they're reviewing the film very, very quickly because they got to fix some of these things before going to Central Florida. And with the travel involved there, I'm not sure how much practice time they get. Otherwise, film, I will say, can happen on a plane. So, you know, I guess that helps a little bit. But we'll see how they, those things go. All that is to say, we got a long, long week this week at Locked on Cougs. Um, Tuesday, we'll be back in and talk some football stuff. We got football recruiting news. Signing day is soon. Um, and so we got to kind of see in a little bit of check in and see what those kinds of things look like. Wednesday, we've got the UCF game. we got to preview that. We'll obviously, obviously break that, that down as we get into getting ready for the Cincinnati game over the weekend. Busy, busy week here at Locked on Cougs. So make sure you subscribe down below. We Make sure you get uh, seeing your news feed each and every day. You're going to find me to talk about the Houston Cougars, uh, football, basketball, the Houston Rockets, the Astros, the Texans, or whomever. Sneakers, Sparkle, anything you want to talk about. Find me at Painsworth512, P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512 on Twitter, Instagram, and all your various social media services. Uh, if you're looking for a second list in the day, first, I want to say thank you for making us your first. And your second list today needs to be locked on college basketball because it's been utter, utter chaos in college basketball the last five or six days. And they are breaking it down. Andy and Isaac do a great, great job with the Locked On Network's number one Locked On College Basketball national show. So make sure to check that out, Locked On College Basketball, for your second listen of the day. Thank you all so much again for making us your first listen. Locked on Cougs, the primary Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Go Cougs.